Thanks for checking out the weekly Harmony Church podcast. For more information and resources about Harmony Church or any of the Harmony events, check out the Harmony Church website or Harmony Church Facebook page today. I caught the last half of this morning and um, yeah, so good. You guys are presence carriers. You guys are a walking ark. You guys are the walking ark of God. And I want to talk about um, bringing the presence. I want to just segue off the back of what Andy was sharing. And um, I actually want to talk about the judgment of God. Mm, mm, mm. And I want to talk about um, the fact that, uh, you know, many people have a lot to say about Christians and the church and judgment. And, um, and there's many negative things to say about judgment. Um, but I want to just talk today about the fact that we're called to be the biggest judges in the world. We're meant to carry incredible amounts of judgment everywhere we go. So I'm going to explain that. Don't walk out yet. Um, don't walk out yet. But let me just pray. Father, I just thank you so much. Just thank you so much that you are here. Just thank you so much that you are good. You're a good God in a good mood. You're doing good things. That's the good news. I thank you that you're a, you're a good God that is doing good things, not just 2,000 years ago, but still today. That you began something 2,000 years ago, that you are continuing an ever-increasing ferocity to today. It's made it all the way to Christchurch, Lord. It's made it all the way here. Amazing things are happening in this city. Amazing things are happening in this group of people. And we're hungry for you, God. <clears throat> we're hungry for more. We're hungry for you to continue building upon what's already been laid. We're hungry for you to come in a way that we haven't experienced you before. And we're hungry to be changed more into your image, God. <laughs> Holy Spirit. So good, Lord. The best thing about this meeting is that you're here. <laughs> we just acknowledge your presence right now. We acknowledge your presence. We thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. Wow. Sorry, I'm just having a moment right now. Wow. <laughs> Holy Spirit. <clears throat> well, flood this room. Flood this room, Holy Spirit. Flood this room. Flood this room. Flood this room until all we can see is you. Flood this room until we can't feel anything outside of your presence. 
God, flood our beings until we are aware of nothing other than you. Nothing outside of your presence, God, that everything in our lives is completely baptized in you. <laughs> I just declare over this church the tide's rising. I declare it's, it's time for the king tide. There's a king tide. There's a king tide. There's a new high water mark. There's a king tide. Things that weren't covered before are being covered now. You're covered. You're covered. Whoa. Sure. You're covered. Thank you, God. <clears throat> hmm. Amen. Before I talk about judgment, um, just got back uh, less than a week ago from Myanmar. I was there for, for uh, 12 days and with a team, and we saw uh, just amazing things. Some of you might have seen that I was over there, and if you were praying for me, thanks for praying. We saw amazing things happen. Um, you know, tumors disappeared, the blind see, the deaf hear. Um, God is moving all over the world, all over the nations. Myanmar is getting wrecked by the love of God. Uh, last time, uh, these we're, we're partnered with what we refer to as our Myanmar family over there. We've been partnered with them for about five years now. Amazing, amazing group of people. Um, last time I went there, uh, there were 800 people in their church. Uh, I think two years before that, there were 200. And like a year before that, there was none. And... Um, and this time we went back, there's now 1,600 people, and they're now in three buildings, and it's just exploding. Um, and it's not just exploding with numbers, <clears throat> but uh, people are having the most wild encounters with God. It is just awesome. We, we walked down the train, in one instance, we walked down the train from, um, from where the church is to downtown Yangon, which is the main city in Myanmar. We had half an hour on the train. And uh, in that half an hour, 17 people came to the Lord, just one-on-one. Just -on -one. 17 full-blown, hardcore Buddhist people that are like resistant to Jesus. Got radically born again. They're sobbing all over the train. People are getting, I mean, God is moving. And, me and, my, and God is moving just the same here in New Zealand. And so I'm just excited to be a part of what God's doing. I'm excited to be part of a movement that you're in as well. And, uh, and I'm, I'm just excited to come and share some of the fruit of that with you today. And so, I apologize if I pause between sentences, because what I'm, I'm in the mode of right now is I'm in the mode of using a translator, and so, um, so I keep feeling like I have to stop and after every sentence and wait for someone to translate for me, and so just bear with me as I get used to New Zealand pace again, and then once I get used to it after a while, people start asking me to slow down. And so, but at the moment, I might need to speed up and then I'll find a little rhythm. And then if I go too fast at the end, you can ask me to slow down. And I'll probably, by the end of this conference, be at the right speed. Okay, so can you guys help me with that? Can you give me some grace if I stop after sentences? Cool. Okay, awesome. Um, hey, so I want to just teach actually this morning um, for this, was it this morning? Well, we've just crossed into this afternoon. I want to teach. Tonight, I think we'll be a little bit more ministry oriented. Um, but I want to teach, and this, I'm actually like, 
I actually asked the Lord, like, why, why am I teaching on this? I don't, want to, I don't want to do this. And he said to me, no, no, this is the one thing I want you to do. I want you to teach on this. So I said, God, I'll do it. But it's, it's kind of like, I, you really want me to do this? And he said, yes. And then I looked back on my notes from last year. And um, there was one sermon that I didn't preach last year. And it was this. I, did, I f- totally forgot about it. And last year, he told me the same thing, but I chickened out last year. And um, well, it was still good last year, but, but, I, but uh, you know, he must have known I was coming back this year too. And so, um, so I was like, oh man, I really think, I really, this is the one thing that I, that I know that I need to teach. And then after that, we'll just, anything goes. We'll just see what happens after that. But this is the one thing. So I want to talk about the judgment of God. And um, I want to talk about the fact that we're called to be the biggest judges on the planet, that we're called to judge the world. We're called to judge angels. We're called to be the most judgmental people that have have ever walked on the planet. We are called to step into alignment with the judgment of heaven and to judge the world with the judgment of heaven and that you are born to judge. You have also been judged. And everyone wants a judge like God. Everyone wants to be judged by someone who is like Jesus. And so I want to talk about the judgment of God. And, um, and I just want to break it down a little bit, talk about a few things. And I believe that God is wanting to, um, to, to revive something on the inside of people this morning. Um, so we'll, we'll do that. <laughs> so let's go to uh, Matthew 7, verse 1. And I'm going to read something from the Sermon on the Mount. Then I'm going to talk through a few things. Then I'm going to tell a story from my life. And then I'm going to say a few more things, and then we're going to pray. Is that cool? So I've just told you my whole plan. Um, In verse 1, it says this, Judge not that you be not judged. For with what judgment you judge, you will be judged. And with the measure you use... It will be measured back to you. And why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye, but do not consider the plank in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let let me remove the speck from your eye, and look, a plank is in your own eye? Judge not, lest you be judged. And with the measure you judge, it will be measured back to you. So let me just uh, let me just talk about this. Let me break this down a little bit. Let me just pull a few things out of the scripture and sort of define them for the sake of this message and for the sake of your lives. Um, I want to first of all talk about speck. Why do you notice a speck in your brother's eye when you have a plank in your own eye? So I'm going to talk about speck. I'm going to talk about plank. I'm going to talk about why sometimes we have planks in our own eyes. I'm, I call it the syndrome of plank eye. And it's to do with the seat that we're sitting on, which is to do with the original fall of mankind and the Garden of Eden. So we're going to break all that down. So first of all, speck. What is a speck? A speck is what you see, criticize, and judge in someone else that disqualifies them from being themselves. That's speck. A speck, definition of speck, is what you notice in someone else that disqualifies them to you. Something that you notice in someone's life that causes you to see them as less than God sees them. Speck. Okay, now you've all, you've all seen specks in people's lives before. You've all seen specks before. Anyone that's married has seen a speck before? If you're honest, you know. 
Anyone, we've all, we all know what it's like to see someone and, be, and trip up over who they're not at the expense of celebrating who they are, right? <clears throat> so spec, is that just me or is anyone else with me on that? Do you guys, you guys know what I'm talking about? Has anyone experienced that this week? Has anyone seen a spec this week? What about this morning? Did anyone see a spec this morning? You don't need to put your hand up, but probably there are half the people in this room who have seen specs this morning. And maybe you woke up and your spouse forgot to do the dishes and it was their job last night. And you woke up and you were like, every time, man. Every time. You need to do those dishes. And you forgot who your spouse was because you noticed something that was not true about them and it caused you to trip up and caused you to see them in a different light to how God sees them. So speck. And then the next thing that is the next word that is used there is plank. Okay, so what is a plank? A plank is something that you see in yourself that disqualifies you to yourself. Something that you judge incorrectly in you, something that, you overly criti- that you're overly critical about in you, a way of seeing yourself that is different to the way God sees you. It is noticing something about, judging something about yourself that actually disqualifies you from believing you are who God says you are. That's plank. And when you have planks, you see more specks. People that notice specks are people that have planks. You only see specks when you have planks. When you're overly critical of others, it's not, it's not because of everything out there. That is just an indicator that you have actually become overly critical of yourself. What you, the world that you steward on the inside of you becomes the, the lens that you see the rest of the world through. And actually, the, what you notice and what you judge in others is less of a revelation of what's true about them and more of a revelation of what is true about the way you see life. Um, I wrote this quote down. <clears throat> what you see and judge in another reveals more about you than the way, uh, reve- sorry, reveals more about you. Uh, sorry. Blah, blah, blah. What you see and judge in another reveals more about the way you see than what you see. What you see and judge in another reveals more about the way you see than what you're looking at. This is awesome because if he reveals it, he heals it. Pain is your friend. Pain is not your enemy. When stuff comes up on the inside of you and you notice things that are negative about what's going on in the inside of your heart and the inside of your world, and that comes to the surface, comes to your consciousness, you become aware of that. That is awesome. That is your friend. Because he never reveals it unless he intends to heal it. So if at the end of this message you're like, oh, I've got a plank, then that's not just, that's not, that's not like meant to be a discouragement. That's meant to be an encouragement. Because if at the end of this message you realize you have a plank, Praise God, God's about to take the plank out. You're, you're, you're right at the front of the line, of the healing line, in the, in, the, in the throne room of God. This is pretty awesome. Okay, so. <clears throat> only when you've dealt with your plank can you see beyond the speck in others. And only when you are, uh, and only then are you powerful to bring transformation because transformed people Transform people. What you see and judge in another reveals more about you and the way you see than it does about what you see.
translated just translated for me. Okay, I'm going to read two statements. The way you judge um, yourself is the way you end up judging others and the way you expect others to judge you. Okay, I'm going to say that. I'm going to break it down a little bit more. The way you judge yourself is the way you end up judging others. And the way you judge others shows you actually the way you've been judging yourself. The way you judge others indicates the way you judge yourself. And the way you judge yourself is the way you expect others to judge you. Now, when I say others, God is included in others. The way you judge yourself is the way you expect, the way you, um, and, and there's a law of attraction involved in that. What you expect normally actually comes toward you. What you're hoping for is, and hope is just a sure expectation. And there's a negative hope and there's a positive hope. The thing that you're expecting will, will, be, will be drawn over your life, will be drawn out of the people around you. So if your judgment of yourself is overly critical and overly negative, and you're noticing all these planks in your eye and all these things that have disqualified you from seeing yourself the way God sees you, then you will actually become overly critical of others. And your overly critical nature of others is actually there to reveal to you about something that you're seeing wrong in yourself that is only there because God wants to heal you. But the, the really critical thing is this. The way you judge yourself is the way you expect others to judge you, including God. And so you end up treating God from the basis of the framework of your own self-judgment. You end up approaching God from that place. You end up expecting from your relationship with God things that are, that are, that are colored through the lens of the way that you have learned to judge the world and judge yourself. And this can deeply affect your sense of intimacy, your sense of closeness with the people around you, but also with God. This is a huge deal. When we have a plank in our eye, all we see is plank. It's like if I'm in this room, there are many colors in this room, but if I put a piece of blue cellophane over my face, everything's blue. And if God starts moving in this room, man, the move of God looks so blue to me. Everything's blue. Even God moving is blue because I have a blue lens. Your, your self-judgment, your, your own noticing of your own planks, they become a lens and all of a sudden I have blue cellophane over my face and, man, you look blue today. Man, everyone here is wearing blue. You're so blue. You're so blue. You have such blue eyes. Man, you got, this is the bluest church I've ever seen. There's so many blue people here. I'm judging you all as blue, not because you're blue, but because I have blue lenses. I have blue planks. Um, so I want to talk about this. I want to talk about the fact that plank eye comes from a seat you're sitting on. Okay, plank eye is one of the big issues with the fall. One of the main things that Jesus conquered on the cross is a disease, which, which, which I have termed plank eye. Okay, this is one of the big issues. And if, if not the big issue, that Jesus conquers on the cross is the, is the issue of plank eye. Okay, and plank eye is, again, it's what you judge about yourself. 
that causes you to disqualify yourself and the way you judge yourself is the way you end up judging others and the way you expect others to judge you, including God. And so if you're judging yourself overly critical and you have a heart, you have a system of judgment, a framework of judgment about yourself that causes you to notice everything that is not about you, everything that's not good about you, everything that um, causes you to write yourself off, then you'll end up writing everyone off around you. You'll end up writing off all of the things around you and you'll end up being limited in your relationship with God. Big issue. What's the, what's the key kind of denominator here? It's this. There's a framework of judgment that promotes separation and there's another framework of judgment that is completely opposite that promotes reconciliation. What one way of judgment will separate you from yourself, you from other people, you from God, and you from the life God has called you to live. And there's another way of judgment that will bring people close to you, bring God close to you, bring yourself close to you, and bring your destiny close to you. And you get to choose what what seat of judgment you sit on. One seat is a plank, the other seat is a throne. If you sit on the plank for long enough, you'll get plank high. But plank eye can't survive if you're sitting on a throne. Plank eye can't survive on this seat. Now, from now on, this seat here is this side of the stage. If you can imagine a seat here, this is now going to be the throne of God. Okay? This is the uh, Exodus 25 throne of God right here. On this side is going to be this rickety old, if you can imagine with me, a rickety old splintered up, bleached, weather bleached, rotten, there's a few wasp nests underneath it, plank under an old, rickety, ugly-looking tree, which is a tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Just here, plank. Under here, this is a throne. It's under another tree. Beautiful. It's called life. God is on this throne, which doesn't mean you can't sit on the throne. It means you sit on His knee when He's on the throne. That's your place as a son. That's your place as a daughter. To sit on your father's lap on His throne and to judge with Him according to His judgment. So you have this throne, you have this plank. Plank is the perfect breeding gland, perfect ble- bleeding ground. It is that too. It's the perfect breeding ground for plank eye. Throne is the perfect antidote for plank eye. Okay. Let me just share a, a personal story with you. When I was growing up, there is no way on earth you would ever get a microphone in my hand. I failed sixth form, which back in my day, there were forms. Which back in my day, when I got my license, I didn't even have a photograph of my license. I had a piece of paper. When I got my full license, they gave me a piece of paper, 30 bucks for a piece of paper with no test. Sweet. And they said, this is going to last you the rest of your life. It's a lifetime license. One month later, I got a letter in the mail saying, you need to come and renew your license to, to pay $100 for a new photo license that will only last you for five years. I said, what? I just paid for a lifetime license only a month ago, and it's only lasted me a month. That's a ripoff. <laughs> anyway, so, uh, so, so sixth form. I failed sixth form um, English, and I failed my sixth form of school because I refused to do the speech in front of 30 people because 30 people was 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 just un uh, it, it was just if someone asked me to imagine the worst nightmare I could ever imagine like okay let's include like 
being decapitated. Let's include losing your arms and legs. Let's include being attacked by a shark. Let's include losing your whole family. Let's include like all these horrible things. And let's put next to them speaking in front of 30 people. Speaking in front of 30 people was worse than a shark attack, worse than losing my arms and legs, worse than all that. Like that was the worst of the worst. If you were going to give me a nightmare and you were the devil, that's what kind of nightmare you'd give me. The nightmare of speaking in front of people. In fact, 30 people was like, are you freaking serious? There's no way I'm speaking in front of 30 people. I hid in the cloak bay for two weeks. My teachers couldn't find me. As a, as a sixth former, you know, in my late teens, like hiding like a little child in the cloak bay because I was so afraid of, and, and like if people, if the teacher said, put your hand up, if you have a question, there's no way on earth I'd put my hand up because if anyone heard me speak, if 30 people, 30 people heard me speak, I'll go bright red. I'll be like, no, I'm, I'm totally ashamed of myself. I've got this shame. I've got this fear in me of people noticing me and seeing me. Even though I long to be seen, I long to be noticed. I'm afraid of being seen and afraid of being noticed. So I'm stuck in the middle. One of the deepest longings of every human is the longing to be seen and known. But one of my deepest fears was being seen and known. So I'm like being torn two ways because of a lie that I was believing. And... When I got born again, God started saying to me, um, he said, the first thing I saw was, it was, a, was a clear vision of me speaking to a crowd, of, a crowd of people that I couldn't see the end of. And in the vision, I was holding the microphone. And then I kept seeing that vision again and again and again and again. And at the beginning, I said, Is it, are you tr- like, Satan, get behind me. Like, I was like, this, this, I, obviously, you've got the wrong guy. Like, why are you showing me this? Is this a message you want to give me to someone, give to me to give to someone else that looks exactly like me? That's not me. Like, this, this, is, this is ridiculous. There's no, way I can, there's no way on earth I can do this. And I went through this big, long journey of unraveling this lie that caused me to, to hide from myself, hide from God, hide from others, and ultimately feel completely... Uh, broken on the inside, a fear that was holding me back. And it was a fear that was holding me back and it was actually causing me to actually negatively criticize and judge others. And it also caused me to believe that every time I was seen, people would negatively criticize and judge me, including God, that if I did anything for God, I would just be like not good enough all the time. And this was the lie. And my parents are awesome. They're amazing parents. But this is, this is one of the earliest memories I have as a child is my mum saying to me, and if you're a mum and you've done th- this to your child or you're a dad and you've said this to your child, first of all, I want to encourage you to not say this to your child anymore. But secondly, I want to encourage you like you, you did the best you had with what you knew. And so there's no shame. There's no guilt. There's no condemnation in this room. Like absolutely none. Okay. This is only a strong message for me because I've lived this. And this, for some reason, really affected me. But I remember my mum coming up to me, and she said to me, "Oh, son, you're 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 amazing. And other other kids are like leaders. Other kids are strong, but you're gentle and you're shy. You 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 know, some kids are shy, some kids are brave, but you're shy. You're a shy kid, and and that's cool. Like you're really creative and you're strong in all these other areas. But don't worry about it. It's okay to be shy." And I remember my mom trying to comfort me because I was acting shy. Okay, now, my mom's heart is right, but her judgment is wrong. Because I am not shy. I am as bold as a lion. How do I know that? Because I'm made in the image of God and God is not shy. 
I'm a son of God. I am not shy. But my mom said, you're shy. So, of course, she has authority in my life. Now, I take on this lie and I start to believe, which is code language for judge, that I am now shy. And so I began to live the rest of my life through a framework of self-judgment where I was judging myself in every social setting. Oh, it's okay to limit your life down to hiding in a cloak bay and failing school because you're shy. And you don't have to not be shy because some kids are just shy. And that's okay. You're good at other things. You can fail school. You can hide in a cloak bay. You can, you can be limited to conversations with, with only two people because anything over two is too many people. You can, be, you, can, you can have your life limited to needing to be drunk on alcohol to be able to, assert, to, be able to relate to anyone over a crowd of three people. You, you, can, um, you can limit your life to that because, okay, because you're shy. And so the lie grew and grew and grew and grew and grew and started to define me and define me and define me. And then I would see bold people. I would see brave people, confident people, people that were leaders. And in them, without me knowing it, I would see, ah, I don't know that this is going on in me, but I'm actually seeing the true me in them because I'm called to be a leader. I'm called to be confident. I'm, I'm, that's the way God has designed me. But this lie is stopping me from seeing me. And it's a judgment that I've framed the rest of my life in. And I'm seeing these confident people. And this is, this is my judgment of them. Oh, look, they're just arrogant. Look at this guy. He's so up himself. This guy, like he, all he does is want to be seen. Like, what's wrong with this guy? And I'm judging these guys who are just confident because of my own, the judgment I, I've used on myself, I'm now using. Now, it's not, I'm not calling everyone shy. It's not the same judgment, but it's the measure of judgment. The way I've judged myself is causing me to judge other people through the lens of my own self-judgment. And so I'm judging these people, and, and I don't know I'm doing it. I'm doing it totally subconsciously most of the time. And, and here's the other thing that happened. People all just started to uh, relate to me as, as shy. So my teachers were like, that's okay, you know, you're, it's okay. If you're afraid, you know, wh wh why don't you just do the speech just in front of me? And so I'd do the speech in front of just my teacher. And my friends used to, uh, I remember my friends saying like, and sometimes I didn't even say it, but they would just relate to me as if I was like the non-confident shy guy. Like, oh, mate, you, do, you know, we, they would just do things and I would, it would reinforce the light of me. And what was happening is this. They were seeing me the way I saw myself. They were seeing me the way I saw myself because the way you judge yourself is the way people, if they're not intentional about it, the way people will naturally be inclined to judge you is the way you judge yourself. Now, of course, we're in the church. We're a prophetic community, and we can see people when they're believing a lie about themselves, and we can choose to judge them differently. But the temptation is there to sometimes, without, if you're not thinking about it, to judge someone according to their own self-judgment. Now, you would have all experienced this before, I'm sure, but I remember being in church, and, uh, and this, is, this happens to me actually quite often, and it probably happens to you quite often too. But I remember learning a lesson one day in church. A lady walked in, and, um, and I started to talk to her. Now, I'm a leader of a church, so sometimes people freak out around me because people are, are afraid of authority and feel rejected by authority in their lives. And because I represent that as a leader, they all of a sudden feel subconsciously the feelings of rejection around them as I relate to them. And so sometimes what I get, which maybe some people in this room don't get, but what I get is I get people fritting out around me. Like I get people feeling rejected, feeling unworthy, feeling like I don't want to talk to them. 
and it's totally not true, but it's the way they've judged themselves. And this, I remember this lady, and she, and she was like trying really hard to connect with me, but she was like going all red. She was fumbling over all her words. She was tripping up over her words. She couldn't put a sentence together. And I was like, and what I found myself wanting to do is this. This is crazy because I love this person. And I didn't know this person at the time, but my heart loves every person. Honestly, I'm telling you right now, I love people. There's nothing in me that sees a person far away and thinks, oh, avoid them like the plague. Like, no, I, I love being with people. And so this person is like talking to me and there's this atmosphere around them and it's making me do this. Uh, there's got to be someone else to talk to. And I'm looking, I'm, I'm stopped giving her my attention. I'm now looking for someone else to talk to. I'm feeling like I don't actually want to be next to this person. I want to go somewhere else. What is that? She is carrying an atmosphere of rejection because she has judged herself worthy of rejection and not worthy of love because she has learned that lie somewhere. I've stepped into conversation with her and my natural inclination, if I'm not being intentional about my heart position towards this person, my natural inclination is to judge them according to their own judgment, subconsciously, not consciously, but to treat them according to the way that they've treated themselves for their whole life. Now, you can probably relate to that in different aspects and different things. You can probably re relate to that, um, maybe not with re rejections, an easy one to pick up, but there's lots of different things, that lots of different lies people believe, lots of different ways that people judge themselves less than the way God judges them. And when you step into that atmosphere, you are tempted, no matter how much like Jesus you are, you are tempted, and if you're not onto it, you'll slipstream into their own self-judgment. And that's what happens when you're starting to believe a lie and you're judging yourself according to who you're not based on the experience you've had in life or the lies that people have taught you or the issues that you've gone through and not based on what God says about you, then people in your life, that is what happens to them. They start judging you according to your own judgment. So if you're super critical about yourself and nothing's ever good enough, then I guarantee there are people all around you that are overly critical of you. Why is that? It's not because you deserve the criticism. It's because you have a thing around you that is attracting criticism because with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. It's a biblical principle that Jesus taught in the Sermon on the Mount. Judge not lest you be judged. And it's not primarily saying, don't just judge. It's not only talking about judging others. The foundation is this. Don't judge yourself lest you be judged. I mean, I know it's talking about judging others, but the foundation of our judgment of others is our judgment of self. That's why I didn't want to share it. <laughs> Trying to get it out. <clears throat> okay. So, where am I right now? Throne. Okay, what is this over here? Plank. Okay, so I'm either on a throne or I'm on a plank. Plank is where you get plank eye. What is plank? Let's go back to the beginning. Let's go back to uh, Genesis 3. And let's go back to the root of all the issues. What happened? We have Adam and Eve under a tree on a throne. Now, on this throne, how many know they're not wearing clothes? Is anyone with me on that? I'm not suggesting that we all go take our clothes off and be naked in, in church. I'm not suggesting that. 
But I'm just, it's okay. But what I am saying is that they're, 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 they're nude. They're under the tree, but they're not naked. Okay, they're unclothed, but they don't feel uncovered. They're, 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 in other words, naked just means they're not, they're not enough on their own. They, they have some missing patches, but they don't feel like they have anything missing because they're covered by someone that covers all of their missing pieces. So their nakedness is not noticed under this tree. They're, and why is that? Because they're under the judgment of God. Now, the, in Exodus 25, the, the Bible defines and, and gives detail around the seat that is God's seat. It gives detail about God's seat of judgment. It calls God's seat of judgment the mercy seat. When God judges, now this is not the way man judges, but God's judgment is always on the foundation of mercy. God's seat under the tree of life or under the way of life or under the system that causes life or under the, uh, the, the, way, the way of living that is a, an alive way of living, this, under this tree, tree in Hebrew metaphorology, is, uh, represents a way of life. So under this tree, under this covering of this way of life, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus is the tree. Under this tree, there is a seat. And on this seat, there is a judge. And that judge is God. He is your father. And you are called to be, and you are designed to be judged by this judge and to sit on his knee and judge the world from this perspective. What is this perspective? Mercy. Mercy is the foundation of all of God's judgment. So if someone says to you, listen, God has judged Christ. I mean, many people say that about Christchurch. God is judging Christchurch or God is judging the homosexuals or God is judging this. And there's a punitive or there's a judgment based on punishment that is not on the foundation of mercy, wrong seat. That's someone looking at God from a plank and they haven't discovered the throne yet. God's throne is a mercy seat. Okay. Now, over here, what's this? You can hardly even fit on this thing. Okay, you're sitting on here. There's a mercy seat over here, but what's this? Well, what happened was Adam thought, oh, this is cool. But God just said one thing, what not to do. He said, don't go to that tree. There's all these, like 99.999% of the rest of the garden is just amazing. We love it. But there's something about the unexplored. There's something about like, why did God say don't go there? And the Bible says that the serpent or the devil was more subtle, is the most official, most accurate word. He was the most subtle. He was the most, be careful of the subtle. He was the most subtle amongst all of the things in the garden. And so he's like, hey, you know, hey, come over here. And so Adam sort of, what's that subtle noise? So the, oh, hey, oh, hey. Hey, you know, if you eat this fruit, you know, don't worry about what God says. It's okay. You just eat this. It's fine. It's cool. Just come over here. Now, what, what happened there? First thing that happened is this. First thing that happened is not Adam ate the fruit. First thing that happened is this. Adam took one step and then another and then another. And every step was a step putting distance between him and God. Every step was a step 
putting distance between him and what covered his nakedness. Every step that he took was a step towards autonomy, a step towards I'm the boss, he's not the boss, a step towards I want my way, not his way, a step towards um, what's it like to be in charge of my own life? That's what it was a step towards. So out of relationship into autonomy, and then here's this space he gets to where he gets to eat this fruit with Eve, and he eats the fruit, and he all of a sudden makes a covenant. The fruit is a covenant that he's making. He makes a covenant with a different way of life. And what is that way of life? It's the way of life apart from God. Now, whose choice was that? Definitely not God's choice. God said, don't do that. But he chose to do that. Eve chose to do that. They came over here. And now what? where does that land you? Where did that choice land humanity? It took us away from a throne and it put us on a plank. It took us away from mercy and put us on something that the plank represents. What does a plank represent? It represents the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. It represents a framework. What is tree? Tree is a framework of life, a way of life. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. But there's another way that Jesus is taking you away from and he's bringing you into his way. But what's he taking you out of? He's taking you out of this way. What is this way? What is the plank way? The plank way is this. The plank way is, is a system of life or a way of relating to life, a way of relating to yourself, a way of relating to God, a way of relating to other people that is based on not mercy, but is based on the knowledge of good and evil. It's based on who's right and who's wrong. And you know you're in this way or you know this way still has a way on the inside of you when you're in an argument with someone and the goal is not reconnection. The goal is who's right, who's wrong. The knowledge of good and evil. It doesn't matter about connection. I'm more of a justice person. No, you're more of a plank person. You need to become more of a throne person. <laughs> it's not, because it's not about who's right and wrong. It's about how do we reconnect. Mercy wants reconnection. This plank wants right and wrong. Now, let me just give you some differences here, okay? Can I, do you mind if I just do that? Okay, here's some differences, and I've got them in really small type here. <clears throat> I'm going to just walk over here. God's mercy seat of judgment, and then over here, the plank. Okay, so let's talk about the basis of belonging according to each seat of judgment. Basis of belonging according to the mercy seat is this. Your value and acceptance is based in your identity because of who you are as God's son. It's not based on what you do. It's based on who you are. So if I make a mistake, my mistake doesn't define me. God still defines me. When I trip up and I do something stupid or I make a, even a horrible mistake, I can look in the mirror and still see a son, still see a daughter looking back. I am a son of God. You are a daughter or a son of God. You are a child of God. No matter what you do, your, your, uh, your basis of belonging, your space in the Father's house, your space before God is secure, not because of what you do, but because of who you are. Okay, and then over here on the plank, your basis of belonging, your value and acceptance is based in your ability to behave and perform. Why? Because the framework of everything is what's right and what's wrong. If I do wrong, I don't belong. If I do right, I now belong. The more right I do, the more I belong. This is how the world works. The world, the way of the world is seated on a plank and it's a shaky plank and everything that can be shaken is being shaken. The plank is being shaken right now. I love it that Kanye West's new album just came out today. And I don't know what you think about that, but I was just hanging out with my friend who actually 
um, actually made the music for one of his tracks on the album last night. And he was telling me about, uh, about the studio, that it, all these stories that no one will ever hear about, but about the stu- Kanye West studio while he was making the album. And he was talking about how before, they would do, before anyone would come in, they'd have to walk through a fire tunnel. He was talking about how anyone that was contributing to the album, if they weren't married and they were living with someone, he said, you have to get married. And, and, and if you can't afford it, we'll pay for it. Like, like, like he, my friend was telling me, this, this man is, a, is totally transformed, but he said the church is judging him so bad. Why? Because the church is on a plank. I'm not saying you're on, as a church on a plank, but there's some of the church that's still on a plank. And God is saying, guys, and, and God doesn't sit on the mercy seat going, oh, look at you, you stupid plank people. He, 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 looks at, he looks from mercy and he says, guys, you don't need to be on that plank. You can leave the plank. It's safe. You can come out from behind that hiding place. I've got a seat for you. You don't have to be naked. You don't have to be not enough. You don't have to be your own judge. Okay. The core value of justice based on this seat. This, by the way, is about five sessions brought into one. Restorative justice. The goal is to bring restoration and reconciliation, especially relationally. So framework of justice. Why why does justice exist from this perspective? The goal of all justice is reconciliation. That's the goal. Okay, what about over here? The goal of justice and the core value of justice on this plank is punitive justice. It's justice based on punishment for what is done that's wrong and reward for what is done that's right. It is to determine what is right and wrong so that uh, wrong can be punished and right can be rewarded. Now, honestly, I stand here as a father of three children, and I'm remembering times even last week that I subconsciously used this framework of justice. Being vulnerable with you right now. Everyone in this room is somewhere along the journey of coming off the plank and coming towards the throne. Now, I know, you, I know you're on the throne, but you're also going towards the throne. You're on it and you're going to it. Over here, the heart position of the judge on the mercy seat is this. A loving father leading his children in love, honor, and restorative discipline. The value is in the person more than the principle. The value is in who you are to him rather than whether you broke one of his rules or not. This is good news for you, by the way. The hard position of the judge on this one is this. A harsh law administrator concerned with maintaining principle and law rather than relationship. The value is in the principle more than the person. Now, we're going to get in a second to, to, to this point. Who are you to yourself? Are you the harsh law administrator to yourself? Or have you, are you sitting on the Father's knee and letting the, and letting the Father administrate His love to you? Because the, because where this gets to it is transform people, transform people. Change begins from the inside out. It's not going to change on the outside until it changes on the inside. And so who are you to you? And who have you invited God to be to you? Because everyone in this room is longing to be judged by God. 
And when you've been judged by God, you can become God's judgment to others. <laughs> you, you are the ark, but you are the mercy seat of God. You are the mercy seat of God to the world. To a world that is seated on a plank, you are the throne. When you mess up on the mercy seat, you are brought close and restored to identity and purpose by a loving father. If you think through that, it actually has huge ramifications to our theology. I'm tempted to say more on that. If you think through that, this has huge ramifications to our theology. Let me say it again. You are brought close when you mess up. Or if you go to this plank and eat the fruit. <laughs> when you mess up, you are brought close and restored to identity and purpose by a loving father. When you mess up over here, what happens? You are punished and put at a distance until you've paid the last penny to right your wrongs in the deathly sting of an emotionless system of law. Let me say that again. When you mess up over here, you are punished and put at a distance until you've paid the last penny to right your wrongs in the deathly sting of an emotionless system of law. Many people believe that when Adam and Eve sinned, when they ate that fruit, many people believe this is how God treated them. Many people believe that the father came and said, well, you know what? Stay at a distance until you've paid the last penny. Or maybe I'll pay it for you in thousands of years' time. But do you know, do you know this is more what happened? More what happened is this. Judge not, lest you be judged, because the measure you use will be measured back to you. The judgment you use on yourself will become the judgment you use on others and what you expect others to use on you. So what happens when you come over here and you eat a fruit and you're sitting on a plank? What happens is the way you see everything changes. When I say everything, I mean everything. When I say everything, I mean also God. Why are they hiding? Because the way they see God changed. Does the way that God see them change? God didn't eat that fruit. God's perspective never changed. But over here, something changed. What did it cause them to do? It caused them to hide. What happened to me? I was hiding in the cloak bay. I failed school. I was hiding from myself, others, and God. That's what happens when you're on this plank. You hide. Why did Jesus curse a fig tree that was bearing no fruit when it shouldn't have been bearing fruit? A, bit, a, bit, uh, a little bit harsh, Jesus. A bit, um, that's a bit unfair. The fruit was just being itself. <laughs> and you killed it out of anger. Why? Because he's, he, he, is, he is destroying the hiding places. Law of first mention says that the thing, uh, the first time, the first um, way that a thing is mentioned defines that thing for the rest of Scripture. What is a fig leaf? First place a fig leaf is mentioned, a hiding place. Where we hid our nakedness from God instead of having God as the hider of our nakedness. What does Jesus do? He curses it. And what is a prophetic statement that says, your hiding place is going down. There'll be nowhere to hide except for in me because I want you home. What is, God's, what is God's response to our sin? It's not stay at a distance until you can pay your last penny or I'll pay it for you. It's this. 
Come, come to me. What was God's first thing he did? Where are you? What was God's first thing? I'm coming for you. What was God's response from our hiding, from our turning our back? He never turned his back. He came looking. Did he need you to be covered with a fig leaf? Did he need you to be covered? No, but you and I, we needed to be covered so that we'd come out of hiding. Who provided the covering? God provided the covering. Why? Because he needed it? No. Because we needed it so that we could come back into relationship with him. Because God is saying, come close and let me restore you back to yourself and back to me. Let me take this plank eye out of your eye. Let me take this way of seeing life. Let me take you off of this plank and let me lead you as a human race back to the throne room again. Back to mercy again. Back to me again. Because you have a disease in your eyes. You have a disease in the way you see life. You have a way of judgment now that is away from me and you have been left to your own judgment and your own judgment has left you with only one option, to judge life based on, the, on what is right and what is wrong and you are punishing what's wrong and you are rewarding what is right because that's your way now. But that has never been the way God is. That has never been the way God is. And God takes us and says, come back. And you see it right through Scripture. You see Jesus, who is, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father, who is, when you look at me, you're seeing exactly what God is like, the exact replication, uh, representation of the Father. You see Jesus, who's bringing many sons back to glory. What is glory? The Greek word doxa, which literally means this, the, the good opinion. And we're, when we're talking about God, we're talking about God's good opinion of you. You can literally translate that word doxa as the good opinion or the best, highest opinion. We behold His glory as in a mirror and we are transformed into the same image from glory to glory. What is that word glory? It's God's good opinion of us. We behold His good opinion of us. Where do we see His good opinion of us? In, in 1 Corinthians 4 verse 6, which is one chapter after that verse, which is 1 Corinthians 3.18, 1 Corinthians 4.6 says this, We behold the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. We behold God's good opinion of us in the face of Jesus and you see Jesus in, in uh, where is it? In John 8, you see Jesus and he's hanging out, loving people, healing. Everywhere he went, he healed the sick. He healed hearts. He healed relationships. He was, the, he was known as the healing prophet. You talk to any Muslim today and they'll say, yeah, we believe in Jesus. He's the healing prophet. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. What is the Father like? He's a healer. He's not a punisher. He's a healer. He's not a stay over there until you sort your stuff out. He's a come here and let me heal you kind of God. And you see Jesus there and you see this woman get dragged to him, probably just wearing like a sheet, totally embarrassed, fully ashamed. She's just been in adultery. She's been in the act of adultery, it says. She's dragged by the Pharisees to the feet of Jesus. And the Pharisees say, you know what needs to be done? You know what needs to be done? Now, where are they speaking from? They're speaking here. Plank. you got guys sitting on a plank with planks in their eyes. The way they've judged themselves. And you can't, you can't criticize them too much, guys, because this is the issue. The only reason they're judging others with this harsh judgment is because they've first of all judged themselves. And the only reason they're doing that is because they're away from God. And so what happens is they drag their plank over to a throne. They drag their plank with their planky eyes and this woman who is caught in their plankiness. And they plank her over. And they drag her kicking and screaming 
up to a throne. And, they, and what are they expecting? They're expecting God to judge her the way they've judged her. Because that's what happens. That's the issue with plank eye. You can't see anything other than the plank when you have plank eye. And so they're here and they say, listen, you know the law. She needs to be stoned because of what she's done. She needs to be killed. We need to stone her. And, and now you have mercy speaking. You have two things going on here. You have, you have Jesus who is God. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. You have God's own opinion of himself. You have the glory of God on display. God's highest opinion of this lady and of the Pharisees and of everyone all around. You have God's opinion on display right here. And then you have the Pharisees and you have this, this, this group of people who have spent their lives studying the nature of God and have ended up with an opposite conclusion of the nature of God to the, to the conclusion that God has drawn about himself. This is crazy. This is actually quite a crazy scene. And this is actually what happens on the inside of every person in this room. Is that you? often we drag ourselves to God and we say, look, we've done this and we deserve punishment. And we are not met with the same judgment. We are met with a different judgment. We are met with mercy. And so they drag this lady, we need to stone her. And Jesus says, he who is without sin casts the first stone. You know what he doesn't say? He doesn't say, you morons, get off your stupid plank. He says, he says hey, let's just, let me just ask you a question. Whoever doesn't have sin, feel free to cast the first stone. And everyone leaves. And then he looks at the lady and he says, hey, I'm not going to judge you. But just go and sin no more. In other words, you're, you're better than this. When you come to me, you... When you come to me, when you come to God, here's what happens. You realize that, that you are better than you thought you were. This is, this is God's opinion of you always has the same result. Every time you receive God's opinion of you, God's judgment of you, you always end up at the same conclusion. Man, I'm better than I thought I was. Man, the way I've judged myself is not the way that the king of the universe is judging me. It's not the way my maker is judging me. I'm better than I thought I was. And he says, go and sin no more. In other words, go and live a life that you've been designed to live. You don't need to be like this anymore. Go and be higher. Go and live better and better. You are way better than you think you are. You don't need to live like that. Why are you living like that? Come on, man. You're better than that. This is what God's like. His justice restores. I believe that what God wants to do today is He's actually wanting to come inside of people and He's wanting to take you by the hand and he's wanting to take you from areas in your life where you've been seated on a plank. And he wants to take you and seat you on his knee on a throne. He wants to bring you into mercy and he wants to bring mercy into you. You know, Jesus is getting baptized in the Jordan and a dove comes down. The Holy Spirit descends on him in the image or in the likeness of a dove. Amazing. Why? Why is that? Well, the first thing I think of is Noah and the flood. Noah sends out a dove. And what is a dove looking for? It's looking for a space where judgment has receded, where the judgment, where the flood, which is the judgment, where the judgment is, 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 has come down, where there is no longer any judgment. And where, the, where there is no longer judgment, the dove finds a resting place. When you're seated on a throne, when you're seated on the knee of your father, that judgment no longer has a place in you. 
And the dove rests on the judgment of the Father. The dove doesn't rest on the judgment of the plank. The dove is looking for the mercy seat. How do you, how, what's one way you can bring the ark of the presence into the city? By continually sitting on this seat. In the way that you see others, but even more foundationally, even more than that, in the way that you see yourself. Sit on this seat. What happened in Acts chapter 2? Jesus says, don't, don't leave till you receive. Don't you think about leaving. You stay in Jerusalem. Don't you even think about leaving to do anything until you first receive. We might talk about more about this maybe tomorrow or tonight, but don't leave until you receive. And so they stay and they obey and they pray. And as they're praying, by the way, all those words rhymed, which is pretty cool. Um, but they stay and they pray and they obey. And what happens? Fire comes. They are clothed with tongues of fire. And they speak in tongues and you know the rest of the story. They're baptized in the Holy Spirit. How did the Holy Spirit come on the disciples on the day of Pentecost? Like fire. He came first of all on Jesus like a dove because there was no judgment. So the dove had a resting place. How did, the, how did he come on the disciples? Like fire. What does fire represent in, in, uh, in biblical metaphorology, which is the word I've just created? What is it? it? It represents this, the judgment of God. Fire always represents judgment. There are two types of fire. And what is God doing in the baptism of the Holy Spirit? Is He is baptizing a, 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 a room of people with the judgment of His heart. And He is saying, you are judged. You have been judged. Your old judgment is being burnt, being burnt away. Your old way of seeing that plank, I am burning that out of you. And I am judging you. And this is how I'm judging you. The cross. We behold the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Where do you see the face of Jesus shining the brightest? On the cross. What does the cross say to you? And I've said this here before, but I'll say it again. I say it everywhere. The cross says this to you. I'd rather die than live without you. Separation is intolerable to me. I must have you. You're, you are worth more to me than I even am to myself. If the value of the thing is defined by how much someone is willing to pay for the thing, then you are worth more to God than even God is to himself. <laughs> In what condition? When you're all polished? No. On the day you murdered him. On the day that you hammered the nails and on the day that you spat in his face. You're saying, I didn't do that. Well, in a way you did. In a way, it might as well have been you. You did do that. <laughs> and on that day, when you hammered the nails in, when you, when you put the, put the, the crown and, and, and ripped the thorns into his forehead, when you spat on him, when you, when you, um, uh, you know, heaped words of judgment on him, on that actual day, which is the worst day of all of mankind, on that day, he says this, I'd rather die than live without you. What is that? Mercy. When you judge yourself, God has a better judgment. When you judge others, God has a better judgment. God's judgment is mercy. 
And I just believe he wants, to un- he wants to uncap mercy on the inside of you. He wants to uncap mercy on the inside of you. And some of you that have held yourself in the bondage of the framework of justice that is on this plank, he's like, hey, you know the cool thing about mercy is you don't even have to get the plank out on your own. The, the, the temptation, if you're sitting on a plank, is this. The underlying foundational temptation of the whole plank system is this. It's up to me. The framework of mercy is this. The foundation underneath everything I've said, the foundation of everything that this seat is, is this. You don't have to do it alone. You have a good, good father, and you are not alone anymore. So maybe we can get a... Um, Catherine, Keith, or, or someone else? Some nice music. Thank you. And uh, why don't you guys just, uh, just put your hands in front of you and just get ready to just hear from the Lord right now. Just get ready to listen to His voice. Just get ready to have an open heart. Just get ready to let God speak to you. Just get ready to let God um, bring you into His love. Like I said this afternoon, this, this session is more a teaching that I pray is going to result in the unraveling of lies on the inside of each person in this room. And, and that will result in your freedom. And tonight we're going to go after some more ministry and we'll... Well, it won't be quite as teachy tonight, but Holy Spirit. Right now, while everyone's just sitting here, thank you for your fire. I was just listening to Andy praying for people and he was just saying fire. And I was thinking, yeah, I think God wants to bring the fire. God is the fire. God is the fire of judgment. And it's, he, he is the judgment of mercy. He is the judgment of love. And in a second, I'm just going to ask you um, to do something. If you feel like you're in this room and you feel like, man, I, if I look back over my last month, I feel like I've been kind of more on a plank than on the throne. I feel like I've framed my life more around right and wrong than around mercy. Maybe something that I shared, or maybe when I talked about parenting, or maybe when I talked about something else, something just really um, you know, tweaked on the inside of you, and you realized, yeah, man, that's kind of me. Like I said, there's no shame. God doesn't look at you and go, well, we'll have to punish you, and then you can come close. God looks at you and says, oh, let me come close to you so I can restore you, so I can restore my opinion on the inside of you. So I can share with you what hasn't been shared with you. And you can hear it from me, but you need to hear it from Him. You can hear me take this whole teaching and share everything I've shared, but it doesn't transform you until you've heard it from Him. You need to hear it from the Father Himself. He wants to come to you and He wants to talk to you about you. And you might be sitting here thinking, I don't want Him to talk to me about me. The reason for that is because of the plank. If you knew who you were, you'd be so excited to hear about you. And we're all on a journey of discovering even more who we are. And God is so excited to bring us further along that journey because He's a good, good Father. He's a good, good Father. 
And in a second, I'm just going to ask you to respond. And the reason I'm going to ask you to respond is because it's just powerful to make a commitment to change in a moment like this, to make a commitment to respond in a moment like this. Um, Response is very seldom passive. Response is more powerful when it's actually active. And so if that's you and you're like, yeah, I feel like, I feel like God is calling me to experience mercy in a deeper way. I feel like what you shared is for me today. And I need that. And when I look in the mirror tomorrow morning, I want to see myself different to, us, to the way I see myself today. If that's you, I just want you to stand up. Just open your heart. So you might be thinking, how do I do that? Or just, if you can't think of any other way, just take a deep breath. Remember the plank, you have to get it all in your own strength. In this kind of situation, when you're on a plank, you're thinking, how do I get God to touch me? What I want to say to you is this, you don't have to get God to touch you. He just wants to touch you. He just wants to touch you. You don't have to do any of the work. He just wants to come to you right now. What is that going to look like? Well, the plank says it looks like this and it looks like this. But the mercy seat says it can look like whatever. It doesn't have to look like anything in particular, but it just it's just God is wanting to come around you. He's wanting to draw you in to His heartbeat for you. And I just see Jesus walking up to people in this room. And I want you to just be aware that He may be walking up to you right now. He's most definitely looking at you right now. And when He looks at you, He's looking at you with the kindest eyes. He's looking at you not with a face of judgment. Not, he doesn't have planks in His eyes. But he looks at you and he just sees the person that he loves. He just sees the person that he died for. He just sees the person that he so longs for. He sees the person that is his deep desire. You are God's deep desire. And he looks at you and he says, Wow, you're my favorite place. And he looks at every single one of you in this room and he says, You're my favorite child. And how do you be his favorite child and the person next to you also be his favorite child? Well, it doesn't make sense if you're on a plank, but it makes sense on mercy because you're, every person is God's favorite child. There's enough room for all of you to be his favorite. I know it doesn't make sense, but it makes sense to God and that's what matters. You are his favorite child. <laughs> he loves you so much. Holy Spirit, I just ask you to come right now like a fire. (laughs) I ask you to come right now like a fire. 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 Right now there are people here and you've been offended at others. And I'm not going to spend 
much time on this, but I see it clearly in the Spirit right now. There are people here and you're offended at others. And I won't point you out, but it's like you have a clamp on your foot and it's stopping you moving forward. Right now, if, if you would just surrender that person to the Lord, He'd set you free completely right now. Just in your heart, just let that person go to Jesus. You say, Jesus, I can't do this alone, but I just give them to you. I just give them to you. And what they did was wrong. No one's saying it was right. But what, what God is saying right now is it's not about right and wrong. It was wrong, but that's, that's the wrong, that's not the, that, that framework, that's the old framework. It was wrong, but there's mercy. And mercy steps onto the inside of you and sets you free. Mercy steps onto the inside of you and sets you free. So I declare mercy in the name of Jesus setting you free. Mercy in the name of Jesus setting you free. Mercy in the name of Jesus setting you free. Some of you, your, your parents in this room, and right now you're thinking, man, I wish I did a better job of my kids. Man, I wish I did a better job of my kids. And you're feeling like a weight in your heart, like, oh, I think I stuffed it up. Or I think I, if I just had another chance. Well, this is what Jesus is doing to you right now. He's coming right by you. And he's putting his arm around you and he's saying, you did the very best you could with what you had. And I'm proud of you. I'm proud of you. And there was never an expectation for you to be perfect anyway. There was never an expectation for you to be perfect. He's looking at you and he's saying, will you just give me your self-judgment and let me judge you with love? And everywhere you fell short, will you let me be that person that covers your children? Where you didn't have enough? He's saying to you, I'm enough. And there's people here and your children are about to have crazy encounters with God. There are people here, your children are about to have crazy encounters with God. And I just declare and prophesy over families and over children here Holy Spirit, you're coming over the children of the parents in this room in the name of Jesus. And I declare everywhere there are shackles and chains, they're being broken. Everywhere there are shackles and chains, they're being broken in the name of Jesus. They are being broken. 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 Some of you right now just begin to feel like a presence coming around your mind and around your head. Just around your mind. And there's this mercy coming over your minds, retracking your thoughts to think the way He thinks. Right now, I declare mercy over your minds. I declare that you would have mercy-driven minds. Mercy-driven minds. Mercy-driven minds. Mercy-driven minds. And I just hear the Father saying, I'm looking to raise up communities of people that carry my judgment to the world, that carry my fire to the world, not the fire that destroys, but the fire that resurrects. The fire that causes people to stand strong, the fire of strength, the fire of confidence, the fire of identity, the fire of life itself. And I just see a generation, of, I see a room full of people here right now that God is saying, Will you just, would you be carriers of my fire? Would you be carriers of my judgment? Would you be my judgment to Christchurch where others are judging from a plank? Even some others in the church are judging from this plank. Would you be so fiercely on fire with the judgment of mercy that the plank literally burns out of the city? Would you literally be the judgment of mercy to your workplace, to your schools, to, to your families, to, to the other churches in the city? Would you be a, a, a judgment of mercy that literally burns the plank out of existence in this city? 
Would you be a force of love in this city that will not be swayed by any other opinion but the opinion of God? And it begins on the inside out. And if you're saying like, I just, yes, yes, yes. Then just put your hands out in front of you. And I just see people just, just I just see, I see this picture of the Holy Spirit walking around just putting fire in your hands putting fire in your hands. And Father, I just release that right now. Holy Spirit, release the fire. Release the fire. Whoa. Chew. Release the fire. Release the fire. Release the fire. I see a movement of healing coming out of this. I see a movement of healing coming out of this place. And I see like, I see wounds that have been hidden for generations like deep wounds coming to the surface as God prepares you to deal with the wounds based on His judgment. I see like, I see like these, these wounds that have held generations back in the city. I see wounds in the city that God has actually kept hidden because His people haven't been prepared to deal with them. I see them actually coming to the surface and I see you being equipped to deal with wounds that generations before you haven't been equipped to deal with. And I see a healing movement coming out of this place. Like I, I'm not just physical healing, physical healing also, but I see healing coming out of this place. 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 Some of you are going to feel like a lightness come over you right now. And that's a healing that lifts oppression. That's a healing that lifts the judgment of the world and the judgment of the devil. That's a healing that carries the freedom of the judgment of a good, good father. Some of you, it's like I can see him just stepping into your eyeballs. It, it, it's, I know that sounds crazy, but I, I, I just see like, it's like I'm feeling something in my eyes right now and it feels like this brightness or this lightness in my eyes. And I just see God coming to people's eyes and, he's, and it's a prophetic anointing, but it's prophecy founded on mercy. It's prophecy founded on mercy. And there's a gift of prophecy that's been released in this room that's wanting to step into your eyes. And when, when you see, you will see through that framework. But when people see your eyes, they'll be transformed. <laughs>